0: There's this idea that what's built into us is this idea of we're, we're pouring into things over and over and over again. And that's just going to continue as we get into heaven. We're just going to continue to pour into one another, pour into God, our worship, pour into one another, our service. And I just I love that picture of where just it's always giving because we see that in the. He, he extrapolates it out from the idea of the Trinity, of the Father pouring into the Son and pouring into the Spirit, pouring back into the, this whole idea of the relationship of the of the Trinity, of that idea of just pouring into one another. To And we've been called into that and by, you know, called into that relationship and we're pouring into the Lord our worship, our service, and these kind of things, and that's going to continue. I just got a kind of picture just came to my mind of what is service going to look like. Well, it's not going to be really that much different in a sense. I mean, it might, the particulars might be different, but that idea of just kind of what is, what am I pouring my life into? And I, I guess that's what you were talking about on Sunday as well. What are you pouring your life into? What's God called your service? He uses our service as a way of pouring our lives into something that really matters. And are we pouring our lives into temporal things? We're pouring our lives into things that matter for eternity. Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church sermon extra. I'm here with uh, Pastor Katie, Pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado, and uh, we are looking at we are now in a new series called the Servant Songs prophecies of, about Jesus from the Book of Isaiah. There's the four prophecies, of, of, you know, generally re- referred to as the Servant Songs, and sometimes there's a fifth. So. Be stay tuned. There might be a uh, you know a bonus episode, a bonus uh, prophecy that we're going to look at. Uh, but we were in Isaiah 49, the second of the four that we have been looking at, Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 16. And uh, the sermon title was engraved in the palm. Of his hands, and so if you missed that sermon at all, whitefieldschurch.com. You can get over there and download it. You can get it on our app. If you haven't got our app? Get over to I think it's WFCC. You type in uh, at either the Google Play or the Apple Store, and our app will come up. And if you download that. You get notified when our services go live. You get notified about our, our sermons being up there. And uh, it's just a way of staying in touch with what's what's happening at the church. But of course, any of your favorite uh, streaming platforms, YouTube, Facebook, any of those, and um, podcasting. Um, and if you would, you know, anytime you can, interact with the content. That certainly helps. Like, subscribe, rate, and review, all those things. Because when you do that, it just kind of boosts everything up in the ratings, and when people are asking questions about, you know, how do I know Jesus is in the the Old Testament? Does the, does the Old Testament even talk about Jesus? Well, hey, we've, you know, when they, they ask that question, we can provide them with, you know, Christ-centered, gospel-centered answers to their questions, and so this week, looking at the second uh, Servant Song, just an amazing series this is, I think it's, you know, as you said, you know, as you've been studying for this, you're like, ah, oh, you know, there's a couple things in there that I can talk about, but then when you start to dive into it, it's um, it's pretty, you know, uh, pretty dense. I remember one of my my professors in school. He's saying that he would spend, you know, he'd go away, you know, on a, on like a weekend or something, and meditate on the servant songs and just all that God would wanted to to say to him through them and it was just it was something that was just so enriching as you look at the character of God now one of, we, we had somebody had brought up a question after church on Sunday um, you know something we could talk about today and that question was you know you're talking about service you know the service Jesus the servant and in this case it says he's the redeemer but. Um, that idea of service being a way that God raises his children, like it's a part of our life here on earth. It's, it's a way that God shapes us and molds us for his use and his glory during our time here on earth. Now the question is, when our time on earth is done, what happens to that idea of service? Is there going to be service in heaven? Is it part of our Nature. What are we going to be doing? Some of the same things, you know, when we are we're in heaven, or, is, you know, what is that all going to look like? The idea of service.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the idea being this: like, um, if Jesus is the ultimate servant, to be like Him means that we must serve the way that He serves. And part of the way that God forms us and makes us more like Jesus is through the act. Of serving others, in other words, service has an effect on us, but also service has an effect on those we serve, and and so really the question is kind of like, if in eternity, in the new heavens, new earth, we'll have resurrection bodies, resurrected bodies, resurrection uh, bodies, what will we do? Will we work? Will we serve? If we will have everything that we need in eternity, then will there be a need for service? And here's the other part of that, if we're created in the image of God, is this an inherent aspect of who God is, that he is a God who serves? Um, And if so, then, you know, the process of glorification, which is that process through which God, you know, ultimately makes us more like he is in character, then does that include service in eternity? Okay, I'm going to say short answer is Yes. I do believe that it is the case. We could dive into why, but let me start with saying this. One of the big previews we have or hints about what the new heavens and new earth and life in that will be like comes from Genesis chapters 1 and 2, where we see God's creation before the curse of sin and death came into the world. So what we learn there is that God gave Adam and Eve, he gave them job and roles and tasks and responsibilities to do, and his job was essentially to cultivate the earth. In other words, he was to be a keeper of the earth. He had dominion over the earth, but that dominion wasn't just for him to take advantage of it for himself, but it was he was essentially a steward or a caretaker of the earth. He was to use the resources of the earth in order to do them for the good of the animals and for the cultivating of the people and the culture, and for for the good of uh, the furtherance of this glorification or this um, this glorious creation. I just interviewed a guy for my podcast named Dr. Philip Riken. He's the uh, president of Wheaton College, which is like this you know bastion of uh, gospel centered Bible teaching in near Chicago, Illinois. And um, so he was telling me he wrote this book on beauty and the theology of beauty, but here's one of the things I found really interesting. He said, look, if creation, te- the Bible tells us that creation speaks to us of who the creator is, and creation, you know, tells us about God. We said, essentially, that means that God is telling us about himself through the creation. Therefore, we should take care of the world that he gave us, because this creation speaks not just to us, but it speaks to everybody who's, lived and will live in the future. And I thought that was such an interesting thing, right? That's what it means to be a a cultivator of creation, right, is to care for it because creation speaks to people about God uh, and his character. Okay, that aside, um, if work existed in the garden prior to the fall into sin, if Adam and Eve had a job and that job wasn't a curse, it was part of the way that they mirrored or imaged who God is, and if God the first image we get of him is that he is a creator who is essentially working, but singing as he works, right? Like enjoying creating something beautiful in love. Then I think the answer is yes. I think that that work, but not just for uh, your own, you know, selfish purposes, but really for the good of others and the good of of the big picture. Like that is seems to be part of God's nature. It seems to be part of how He created us to image him. And therefore I would say, I do think that it will exist in eternity. There will be opportunities for us to number one, work and, but the work will be joyful, right? We, it won't be the sweat of your brow dealing with thorns and thistles, right? This will now be, um, you know, fulfilling, meaningful work that gives joy and life. You know, it's been said that, um, if you look at a lot of the things that really give people a lot of joy, they are things in, that involve work, Have you ever noticed that? Like, people enjoy sports, climbing mountains. They enjoy things that involve effort. And so I I think the idea that heaven will be this disembodied experience where we'll be, like, floating on clouds with, you know, angels in diapers, playing harps. Uh, You know, C.S. Lewis talks about that. And he says, like, basically, there's this one line where he says, that is, like, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, this idea that there will be like harps and angels and all that stuff. He goes, that's not heaven. For most people that we would get bored of that after about half an hour, you know? And the idea is that what, what can keep us enthralled for eternity? Well, it will involve probably effort, but it won't be the kind of like Sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill over and over and over and over for all of eternity, right? It won't be meaningless work. It will be work that has fulfillment, purpose, and joy as we do it with other people. And they say that most cultures around the world, they um, they experience community through work and through food. Those are like the two big things. And so I, I do believe it will be part of, of eternity in paradise.
0: Yeah, that reminds me um, of uh, we were actually looking at Romans 12, verse 1 today. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship or service. We had discussed, you know, in our staff meeting today, that particular word. And speaking of Wheaton College, it reminded me of Harold Best, who was a dean of music at Wheaton. I think he's retired now and a professor there. And he he has a book that talks about worship as this idea of pouring into, you know, we pour our lives into things. That's what we, it's that idea of service. Everybody's pouring their life into something, you know. It's the idea you everybody worships, you know. And that's kind of that picture that's come to my mind where what, what's heaven going to be like? Well, we're, we're going to just be pouring into one another, even though it might, it might look a little bit different. I mean, we pour our lives into our work now because we need to pay bills and we need to feed, you know, kids or whatever it is. But there's this idea that what's built into us is this idea of we're, we're pouring into things over and over and over again. And that's just going to continue as we get into heaven. We're just going to continue to pour into one another, pour into God, our worship, pour into one another, our service. And I just, I love that picture of where just, it's always giving because we see that in the, he, he extrapolates it out from the idea of the Trinity, of the Father pouring into the Son and pouring into the Spirit, pouring back into the, this whole idea of the relationship of the of the Trinity, of that idea of just pouring into one another. To, and we've been called into that and by, you know, called into that relationship and we're pouring into the Lord our worship, our service, and these kind of things, and that's going to continue. I just got a kind of picture just came to my mind of what is service going to look like. Well, it's not going to be really that much different in a sense. I mean, it might, the particulars might be different, but that idea of just kind of what, is, what am I pouring my life into? And I, I guess that's what you were talking about on Sunday as well. What are you pouring your life into? What has God called your service? He uses our service as a way of pouring our lives into something that really matters. And are we pouring our lives into temporal things? or pouring our lives into things that matter for eternity because if they matter for eternity, we're just going to continue. That's going to be something that we're going to continue for the rest of our lives. I think, you know, it's very much part of who who we are. It's God poured into creation. He poured into us. And we then called us to name the animals and to, to work for us to pour into his creation what he has been doing. And so just that but, idea of pouring, you know. Well, that
1: idea of, like, mutual giving, right? right? Mutual so giving. So you see yeah. that in the Trinity, mm-hmm. right, where it's like the Father glorifies the Son, and the son glorifies the father and the son and the father send the spirit right and the spirit glorifies the son and so it's this mutual like giving relationship and um, and it's not like yeah does it involve work well yes we would say that we talk about the work of god we talk about the work of the holy spirit is there work involved yes but it's work that's joyful in nature and it causes more joy for the other and I think that that, of course, is a picture of what will happen in eternity, right? This will be, yeah, this mutual giving and receiving and yeah, that's really cool. And the other thought I had is that, you know, when we talk about there will be no more pain in heaven or, or in eternity, you know, I wonder if if all pain will be gone, like full stop, or if, it, if there are some forms of pain which will not be gone, because uh, let me just explain, like, you know, many of the things that people enjoy, right, like it involve exertion. And yet there's a joy that comes with that ex- exertion. There there can be a joy that comes with, I, I go to the gym, right, and I see this guy who goes to our church here, and he always tells me, man, I love to come in here and sweat, yeah. right? So he's enjoying that. Now, not everybody enjoys that. I understand that. But the other part of this I was thinking about is that when we talk about Sorrow and pain and tears being wiped away and death; these are all related to sin, which is a misordering of the way that things are supposed to be. Right there, when we talked about uh, that primary justice a couple weeks ago, that that's when primary justice is not present. Is when you have disorder. You have disorder in relationships. You have disorder in your own body. You think about what is cancer? It's growth, but it's it's wrong growth it's harmful growth. You think about um, other, you know, heart disease. Your heart is not working the way that it was meant to work, designed to work. But there are things, I think, which are inherent, like, to pain. Like, there are some ways that pain isn't always a disorder. It's funny, uh, somebody prayed for me at staff meeting that I would be pain-free, and then afterwards, Shelby, he leans over and said, I'm not going to pray that you're pain-free, because the only time you'll be pain-free as if you're dead, right? (laughs) Like, I'm just going to pray that you won't have bad pain, Pain, right? Like, uh, yeah. So all that to say, I think, you know, somebody had asked me one time, you know, many of our best experiences in this life involve challenges and overcoming challenges with other people. And if you don't have challenges, can you really have joy? I think it's a great question. And I don't know because I haven't been there yet, but my guess is that there will be some sort of exertion, some sort of challenge that will lead to greater joy.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of things different and maybe a lot of things the same. You know, we're not going to know until we're there in the presence of God, but, you know, that's that's one of those questions we'll learn on the other side of heaven. So we don't necessarily have an answer for that today. But, um the other thing we want to talk about today is something you didn't quite get to. Um, you didn't You didn't actually, um, you know, speak about this verse. But it says there, you know, the key verse was, Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. And then the verse finishes there in verse 16 of, of chapter 49. Your walls are continually before me. And so we just want to kind of talk about what does that mean?
1: Yeah. Okay. So it's a great meaning and I I wish I had time to get to it, but that's what this is for. So here's what's going on. Remember God had given them this promise. I'm going to send you a redeemer. He's going to bring redemption. That redemption will have three stages, if you will. A short term, which will mean bringing the exiles back from Babylon. It will have a midterm, which means that the redeemer is going to bring redemption for people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And then it will have a long term. It won't just be for human beings, but I'm going to redeem all of creation. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. This is the gospel message. And so um, then in verse 14, though, Israel responds and they say, he says, the Lord has forsaken me. My God has forgotten me. This is something that they were saying and God's now responding to it. And he's saying, first of all, how could I forget you? That's like saying that a mother could forget the child nursing at at her breast, right? And he says, well, even if that were to happen, I wouldn't forget you. And then he says, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands, which we talked about on Sunday. But then he says, your walls are continually before me. Now, the context is that these are the exiles he's speaking to who are in Babylon, and their walls of Jerusalem had been destroyed. The city had been ransacked, the temple destroyed by the Babylonians when they conquered. Now they're in exile, and they're saying, you know, God has forgotten. And he's saying, no, 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 I never forgot for a second about what happened to you. He says, it's continually before me. It's always in my mind. I weep over the thing that you weep. I weep over the, the destruction of that city, just like you do. And it's continually in the forefront of my mind. And, you know, later on, when he sent them back, remember Nehemiah, they would rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. But at this point, they were still torn down. And God's saying, what bothers you also pains me. Um, and yet he allowed it to happen which tells us something really important, right? Like there were some really great things that happened as a result of the exile. That's something that we don't have time to get into now, but it's a really important message that there were certain things that happened as a result of the exile, which were massive blessings for the people of Israel. Um, and yet God says, and it it does pain me, you know, when I think about what happened to the city, how it's in desolation, et cetera. And so I think that's just a really important point that continues on with the same idea. I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forsaken you. The thing that bothers you also bothers me. And I think we can apply that to our yeah. lives today as well.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's a great explanation. Yeah, there's so much you couldn't get to, and, you know, and that's why we do these sermon extras. And, and, you know, as I said in the beginning, you know, I, one of my professors, he would meditate on these songs. And something I have been doing as well, just kind of reading through them and, and just kind of letting the Lord speak to me as you just read these servant songs and uh, maybe it's something you want to do you know go back to chapter 42 and read that first few verses of the of number one and number two is you know here first verse 16 verses of 49 we're going to be getting to chapter 50 verses 4 through 9 but the whole entire chapter is great and then kind of the chapter of chapters a song of really songs is you know the end of 52 chapter 52 into 53 and uh, that one's amazing We might spend some time in that you know going forward in this particular series and so just yeah spend some time with it just let the Lord speak to you uh, through these and if you have any questions you know even if you're reading ahead and you're saying hey what you know are you gonna what does this mean? can you touch on this or these kind of things you know hey let us know email us. Drop a comment or question in the, in the comment section and we will try and follow up with that. And so I look forward to seeing you again next week, whitefieldschurch.com in case you missed a sermon. And God bless you all.